Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Great Ship, the Space Show show. And mm-hmm. boy, do we have an episode for you guys today. Um, if this is your first time, because uh, every episode is somebody's first time, uh, I'm your host, Lieutenant Rebecca Frost, and I'm joined with noted Space Show fan, Carrie Jackson, and we are talking about Star Trek, the original series. Very excited about this. Uh, but today, before we even get to talk about these episodes that we're going to talk about this week, first of all, I want to give a big thank you to everybody who came out to Brewies to watch uh, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan with us. Yes, in conjunction um, with the Space Show show. It's the Geek Show yes. matinee, and we're very happy that all of y'all showed up to see it. Uh, we have, um, you can't, it, it's just a special sneak peek, but here was some of the merch that we had. <laughs> oh, yes. Fun, fun new topical pink shirt. And the Geek Show store will be open soon, in a week or two, and you'll be able so to buy soon. that shirt on on our site when it comes. <laughs> and you can say, hi, Barbie, to everyone you know, and everyone will reply, hi, Barbie. I was so um, happy that so many people bought those shirts. I just thought it was great. And put them on immediately. It yes. brought me so much joy. <laughs> uh, so, so, so Is that where you want to start? Or yeah, do you want to end? Well, it's up to you. Up uh, let's just talk about Rathacon like super okay. fast. Um, because of the nature of Bruvi's screenings, uh, I didn't get to watch it with everybody. Yeah. Uh, but I was, but it's okay because I watched it the other day. Um, did not know Kirstie Alley was in it. Oh, really? Um, okay. Nice <laughs> no, surprise. I had no idea, <laughs> which uh, I'm named after her character in Cheers. So. I was like, oh, what a pleasant surprise that Kirstie Alley is here. And I was so scared at first that she was killing all of my friends because I (laughs) was not aware this was the Kobayashi Maru training program. Ah. Was not aware of it. Um, The no-win scenario. Yeah, but... that's kind of the big theme of the whole movie. It's it's uh, mm-hmm. it's it, it, it's very important to us Trek nerds, the Kobayashi Maru. And I I also I did not know because in the J.J. Abrams movies, um, Chris Pine like has reprogrammed it right so mm-hmm. that uh, he, he turns it into a win-win or he turns it into a win scenario at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, interesting. I wonder how they tackle that like in the actual movie itself and. I was pleasantly surprised to see it's the same that yeah. Kirk just reprograms it. He and, yeah, he cheated. And he, is it cheating? Well, that's 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 what I love the discussion between Kirk and Spock. Cause I just think you're mad I outsmarted your test. <laughs> <laughs> but then later on, Spock has this great line of like, "Hey, I found a way out of the no-win scenario, buddy." Yeah, uh, but in the saddest way possible. I like that. Um, I don't know why I've never really pointed it out before, but it's extremely prominent in Wrath of Khan that DeForest Kelly walks chin and belly first. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and we get to meet uh, Carol and David, uh, David Kirk's son. I, mm-hmm. I are we supposed to like him? Because I do not like him. I found every instance yeah. he was on screen to be extremely irritating. He's one of those characters that you know we were we were supposed to like him, but for some reason nobody likes him. What am I saying the for man? some reason? It's obvious why people no. don't like him. He's kind of an irritant. The man, like that, it's like oh no. Oh no, you're fine. Um, but yeah, just like an immediate hatred. Um, <laughs> 
And uh, yeah. I was so scared they were going to kill Chekhov. I'm glad they didn't. The, uh, they put creatures in our bodies. Um, don't worry about David. We'll we'll talk about him in Search for Spock. Oh, no, really? He comes um, back. He comes back. <laughs> God. Uh, I was hoping to never have to see him again. Um, also, Kirk's got to have more kids out there, right? Oh, of course he does. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Banging his way across the galaxy. Some of them, some of them, you know, partially green skinned, you know, they're, they're bound to be, <laughs> yeah. bound to be. I mean, think about all of the space nookie he got throughout the years. Mm -hmm. Got to be another He's kid out there. Got to be spreading his space seed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then the big, the big thing about this movie is, you know, Spock sacrificing himself to save everybody and uh, just That's extremely the... sad. Extremely yeah. sad. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. I was kind of expecting Kirk's reaction to be a lot bigger, but I feel like maybe because Spock has had so many close calls in the original series, like a couple of the episodes we'll talk about today, he, like I thought Spock was a goner. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe, you know, because Kirk has had so many close calls with Spock before, he was just like, oh may have well, got all my excitement out previously now did you watch that center seat docuseries it's on amazon i have not one of the things the director said i think is harv bennett uh, the director for this uh movie said here's what i learned about working with william shatner do many 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 takes because <gasps> if you just go with five he's going to give you the most shatner shatnerific performance ever I don't want that. I want it to be toned down a little bit. So I do take after take till he is tired. Oh no. And that's that's the takes you get. Like the part where he where he says, uh, I'm sending the information over now, Con. Um there was the line where it says, Here it comes. And and Shatner was just doing it. Here it comes, you know. And he's like, and the Harv's like, could you bring it? Bring it to, and Shatner would just go, ur, ur, and so he just kept doing it over and over. So the last take was Shatner exhausted going, here it comes. And that's the one they use because you don't want to tip Khan off. You just want him to, yeah. you know, reel him in, reel him in, reel him in. So how interesting. Wow. That's some real Stanley Kubrick shit, honestly. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. <laughs> and David Fincher, too. Mm -hmm. uh, how exa and exhausting for everybody else involved. Yes, because you have to be on the set all day. Yeah. Uh, now, for those of you watching on YouTube, I have here. In the box, see, the Wrath the of Khan Enterprise. 25th anniversary. So the movie was released in 82. I'll let you do the math on this. Oh, it's not me. But uh, it, 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 I'm going to open it, or maybe I'll just sell it. I've been selling a lot of my toys, I'll be honest with you. But listen, this, this is what it does. It, huh. You're shouting Khan. <laughs> oh, kind of, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> all right. Uh, that's so funny. I can't believe you have a toy for literally everything. I'm ready for our episodes. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Well, let's. Uh, all right. Okay. Well, my my final thoughts regarding Wrath of Khan. I just want to say I'm not sure. This is the only Star Trek movie I've seen, besides like the J.J. Abrams movies. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know how I feel about movie Trek versus TV Trek because I really, really, really like TV Trek, and movie Trek just felt so. 
commercialized, I think. Well, uh, I mean, I can understand where you're coming from because, you know, me, I was raised on all of these bad special effects from the original mm -hmm. Trek and, and the cheap looking sets and the cardboard boulders and all of that stuff. And so when I got the motion picture, which you passed on, yeah. good. Uh, when I got when I got the motion picture and I got that I know Lee makes fun of me all the time that six minute floating around the ship shot introducing <laughs> us to this new refit enterprise I mean as I kept telling everybody oh that was boring and I said that movie wasn't for you it was for it was for people like me who put up with all those bad special effects and still loved it this was our payoff and so the movie treks with all of these new special effects and great looking ship and uniforms and sets, it was like, here's a thank you for paying attention and putting up with all that bad, cheap stuff that we did for three years. Thank you. <laughs> How funny. I'm just so the opposite. I, it, it just, I'm sure, you know, it's a access and generational thing, I'm sure, but I'm like, I want to see the old graphics. I like the campiness of it. Please give me the campiness because I have been so spoiled mm -hmm. in my lifetime with great effects and just movies upon movies. Like I said, as soon as you get a DVD player, rent one or something, I've got them on DVD, the original series <laughs> with the original effects, and you're going to watch them and go, oh, Carrie was right. This is terrible. I don't <laughs> No, there's an episode we're going to talk about too, where I'm like, boy, I wish I had the old effects on this one. Um, oh, but also one more thing about Wrath of Khan. Spock literally dying. His best friend in the whole wide world, Kirk, comes up to him and he still takes the time to stand up and straighten his uniform and then mm -hmm. go see his friend. Wasn't that a great choice for an actor? God, I, I literally was like, holy Toledo. What a choice. Just so good. And I'm telling you, if I was a 60s housewife, I would be going absolutely nuts for this show and shipping <laughs> Kirk and Spock. Like, I'm so firmly on Team Kirk Spock. I, I don't know exactly when it happened. It's it when, when the show was in reruns, that's when the shipping started. The original, <laughs> and, and I'm trying to remember what the original term for it, it, it wasn't shipping. We had our own term for it. Slash mm. fiction, I want to say. Oh, slash slash fiction, yeah. And there was even a term before slash fiction How that I'm trying to remember. But it was Kirk and Spock homoerotic stories were everywhere, you know, passed around at, at fan mm -hmm. conventions. You know, guys guys would write, you know, scripts. Me and my other 60s housewife friends, we would just, I'm sure we would just get together and talk about how much we love them. Uh, but today we are going to be talking about these episodes, The Gamesters of Triskelion, A Piece of the Action, The Immunity Syndrome, A Private Little War, and Return to Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. uh, so starting with The Gamesters of Triskelion, Kirk, Uhura, and Chekhov are trapped on a planet where abducted aliens are enslaved and trained to perform as gladiators for the amusement of bored, faceless aliens. Uh, the Lady Gaga episode, as I have dubbed it. <laughs> perfect title, perfect. Because this this was the best one to grab screenshots of, to be like, what do you mean there's no homosexuality in Star Trek? This episode is just a perfect example. <laughs> it's totally, totally gay. <laughs> These guys are wearing harnesses. These girls are wearing silver and their hair's up to here. Um, uh, I Just another one of those episodes where 
the people are abducted from the ship and expected to fight for the entertainment of some faceless villain yeah um yeah uh, you know uh, i like i liked this one not a whole lot to say about it in my opinion no i mean you got some you know some kind of bondage vibes coming from uh, yeah oh yeah from the whole episode uh, <laughs> certainly from angelique pettyjohn who played yeah. the uh the the lady gaga part <laughs> yeah uh, uh the the piece of trivia i have regarding her um during an interview she said that when she first auditioned for the role of Sh uh, shauna she admitted to the producer she didn't think she fit the character uh when they asked why she said the script describes her as an amazon but she was only five six and she you know she's like at five six i'm hardly an amazon um but the producers all <laughs> laughed and said look honey next to shatner you'll look like an amazon i was gonna say yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is interesting because i paid attention and they still framed it in such a way that kirk is still taller than she is mm -hmm. so if they're both so little how crazy <laughs> i think shatner's like five eight i want to say Hmm. I could be wrong. I mean, I've met him a couple of times. You think I'd remember? But... Yeah, your your good friend William Shatner. He's not oh. my good friend. No, <laughs> <laughs> he's a joke. Coik is a joke. Yeah. <laughs> Which sucks because I really like him on this show in particular. Yeah. Um, but the producers also interrupted filming of this episode to tell the cast and crew that the show had been canceled. So everyone was depressed throughout the rest of production. But then the fans started protesting and writing letters until NBC decided to keep it on for another season, which thank God. Mm -hmm. Well, and you could thank B.J. O. Trumbull, who uh, is, is, was a writer on the show and also a Star Trek's biggest fan. She head up the letter writing campaign mm -hmm. and it was her 90th birthday just recently, I want to say. Yes. And you can still send her birthday cards. Uh, the, I wish I, there was somewhere on Twitter I saw send yeah. birthday cards to her because we wouldn't have this without her. Yeah. Just go to Star Trek Twitter. It's all there. It's all there. I, um, I'm really sad Twitter's dying because I have just curated it now so that I'm getting a lot more Star Trek fan mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. <sighs> just disappointing that the site is so terrible um i like um i watch i started watching this after watching wrath of khan and it was kind of interesting to see chekhov in the future <laughs> versus how he is now because <laughs> he's part of the landing party and they get not they are transported not by the usual means they suddenly just disappear and and I like that the reaction is they just vanished. And I think it's Spock is like, yeah, that's how the transporter works. And yeah. Scotty has to be like, oh, no, 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 not in like the regular way, kind of in like a weird way. And McCoy is like, so their atoms are just floating around out there. Again, verbalizing his greatest fear in the his whole world. <laughs> <laughs> he hates the transporter. Uh, and then Chekhov, you know, with the landing party is like, you, is the Enterprise looking for us? Do you think the Enterprise is mm -hmm. looking for it? Yes, of course the Enterprise is looking for you, my sweet dear baby. That's all they yes. ever going to do. They're always going to be looking for you. Um, he gets set up with one of the alien women and she's like, I like your name, Chekhov. And I could see, <laughs> could see the thought process in his mind of like, well, I am horny all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's just a horny little boy. <laughs> he always was, wasn't he, on the on this on the yeah. series? 
He always oh. was. And then an unfortunate instance in this episode where they definitely have an attempted assault on Uhura. Mm, and yeah. yeah. Mm, it's unclear whether anything happens or not, but like, like definitely like there's an assault and nobody can stop it. I got the feeling that she took care of it. I got the feeling that she I think I that was kind of the the end vibe yeah. I got was like she's okay, but like boy, sure hate that. Yeah. Not a fan. Yeah. Uh there's there's a few things in this uh episode uh that I recall and and maybe this is me just making shit up, but when we finally meet the providers. Brains in and jars. They're, and their brains in these bowls, these dishes. I think that that's where Mystery Science Theater, when they went to the sci-fi channel, they had a character called Brain Guy. And <laughs> and he was he was just one of the guys on the show, and they put him in a purple robe, and they painted his face white and gave him dark circles around his eyes, and he carried his brain Mm -hmm. in very much a, a, a bowl that looks like these bowls. And I think that's where they got the idea for Brain Guy was from this episode of Star Trek. Oh, I interesting. I think it could be. Uh, so there's there's that. And, uh, oh, what else was I going to tell you about this episode? Oh, Quatloos. I just love 400 Quatloos on the newcomer. Uh. Because, <laughs> because if you watch one of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons, Deep Space Homer is what it's called. And that's where Homer tries to join the space program to go to space. And uh, he, so he's training. Him and Barney are training. And so they're at NASA. And there's a, a part where Barney and he are squaring off with the blades from, uh, from the Amok time. You know, mm -hmm. the, the Vulcan weapons from Amok time with the blades yeah. and everything. They're facing off in this room, in this circled room. And one of the NASA scientists yells, 400 Quatloos on the newcomer. <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek nerds wrote that episode because they also had the fight music. Just definitely reusing that music yep. for for everything. Just um, my favorite episode of Simpsons, one of them. Because anyway. <laughs> he goes, Homer, Homer goes to space. He does. He gets in yeah. the space program. Well, yeah. they they give it <laughs> they give it to Barney, and Barney celebrates by having a drink. Oh, uh, which he hadn't been drinking during the whole training. And so he was besting Homer left and right in the training. But then when he gets when he gets the job, he, he celebrates with a drink. And <laughs> boy, that's sad because Barney Sim Simpson sidebar. So sad because Barney really is like so uh, capable and intelligent. But it's mm -hmm. just the alcoholism that ruins but everything. They cleaned him up and he wasn't funny anymore. And yeah, <laughs> and so then they started writing him as a drunk again. So. Oh, that is sad. Anyway, well, that's the gamesters of Triskelion. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, I did like at the end because Kirk is telling Shauna like, "I'm fr I'm from out there. I'm one of these tiny lights," and she's like, "That's crazy." And he's like, "Well, from my planet, you look like a tiny light." And she says, "Thank you, Captain. Like, thank you, Kirk. I will watch the stars." And blah mm -hmm. blah blah she has a nice little ending there and that... that's that's where kirk says the immortal that's what we call love yeah it's, it's a, <laughs> god it, it was another instance Shana, yeah it was another instance of me being so mad at humans for me. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody had to uh... seduce her so that they could escape uh, yeah 
yeah god so stupid um the next episode a piece of the action 1920s story 1920s star, not even not even they don't travel back in time this isn't a this isn't even a time travel episode they are traveling to a planet that has been contaminated and the contamination is a book called mobsters of the 1920s and this culture has built an entire society around it well that sounds familiar to a church i know oh well. <laughs> And I'm going to let you down on the toy angle of this. I used to have, you remember those nine inch Star Trek figures that I had? I had uh, Kirk and Spock in their gangster outfits. In their gangster outfits. And I, and I sold them. I'm sorry. I sold That's them. okay. You know what? That's okay. We can't keep them all. I but know. this, <laughs> what I, I think, I think my most favorite pit about um this episode actually let me read the description of it first before i get any deeper there well i mean I've, I've done it already the crew of the enterprise struggles the cope struggles to cope with a planet of imitate imitative people who have modeled their society on 1920s gangsters and and that's it but um the, the my most favorite thing about this one is there's so much like jargon and analogy, like use of analogy and metaphor. And Kirk is over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, it's so exasperated by it because it won't like it's all all these people they only communicate in like analogies and metaphors and so there's a moment where they're taking kirk out to a car and he's like it can either be a taxi or a hearse you know what i mean and kirk is like yeah getting the idea <laughs> And I even need some more, I need some more of those fancy heaters, Kirk. God, God, it's so like I was just like Kirk. I was like, man, I am also done with this place. How irritating! One guy even <laughs> says to Doctor McCoy, like, "Don't give me those baby blues." And McCoy is like, "What? I don't. <laughs> what are you saying?" Because <laughs> it's all just this ancient to them language that they're like oh and what is it somebody says you'll be wearing cement galoshes and scotty is like what what <laughs> <laughs> i don't understand what you mean uh, uh, yeah it's it's one of the uh the the funny episodes of star trek yeah because as as exasperated as kirk is in the beginning once he puts the suit on he gets in character yes. and just immediately starts talking like this with everything he says you know what i mean mm -hmm. and he's like and he gives um, he gives he gives spock a mafia nickname spocko <laughs> And that because that's that's all you have to do because one of the bad guy one of the other gang leaders Jojo Cracko Cracko, <laughs> but then you got the other guy. Uh, how how do you say his name? Oxmix. 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 I love. I do love 1920s, but give everyone weird space names. That's kind of a fun twist on it. And that's uh, I think is it Vic Tabak is that actor's name and he plays uh, Mel on the Alice TV series from the 70s. Yeah, it's Rick oh, Tabak. Oh, I couldn't tell you. I'm too uh, young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, it, you know, yeah. It's, it's a reasonably entertaining episode. It's clear it was, you know, budgetary. You know, Paramount's mm -hmm. got the back lot and all of this, all these costumes and everything. This won't cost us a dime. You know, we'll be able to do it. 
And you know uh, that they not, assigned the writers, they said, look, when you can use these things, they're free to us and we don't have to build them, you know? Uh, not one woman spoke while they were on this planet. I, you're right. Yep, they were only I there, mean, there to, are women to everywhere. Be, there are women everywhere, but not one of them spoke. Yeah, they're arm candy, you see. Yeah. God, and I talk about that in a later episode, but just uh, kind of crazy about how a patriarchal, the idea of a patriarchal society is just in every planet. Mm -hmm. And well, I mean, if they're mm -hmm. taking it from the book, it was certainly a patriarchal society true. in the 20s. So, yeah, that is Maybe. true. And then yeah. even as they're leaving, I believe one of their phasers gets left. Is it one of their phasers that gets it's left? McCoy. McCoy God left his communicator. Damn it, McCoy. Yeah, his communicator. And I was like, yeah. stop leaving stuff on this planet. They've had enough. I mean, you know, how first of all, look at the size of these things. How do you how do you forget <laughs> and leave them, you know, because Listen, it's not like the next generation. Places. Yeah, but it's not like the next generation that are just right there, you know, on their chest. So and you know, I and and this isn't McCoy's first rodeo. You'd think no. he'd remember these things, but because these what is it, the Melkotians or whatever their names are? Yeah, because whatever. they're because they're so imitative, mm -hmm. they're convinced that, you know, with this technology, they'd be able to advance faster. And but so this this episode does have um, two of my favorite pieces of trivia. Uh, after filming wrapped, the studio received a letter from Anthony Caruso, who played Bella Oxmix. The letter was from Oxmix, thanking the crew of the Enterprise for creating the Syndicate, and things were proceeding nicely on Sigma, uh, whatever that planet's called. Mm -hmm. uh, as he goes on in the letter, it is now the 1950s, and he is sporting a crew cut. He also mentioned wanting wanting to visit Las Vegas, remarking, "It seems like my kind of town." <laughs> that's funny and i love it i i love it when they have the guest stars who are into it right it just makes it a lot better and they're not just like oh this is a silly space show where everyone well, I'm, overacts i'm sure they went to both those actors that says you get to play gangsters and they went great i love it let's do it great yeah. and then marvel comics published a sequel story to this as part of their star trek unlimited series i did not uh, know that well, okay, the story, A Piece of the Reaction, featured the crew of the USS Enterprise-E from Star Trek First Contact, returning oh. to the planet to discover that its society had gone on to model itself after 23rd century Starfleet thanks to the communicator that McCoy left behind. The planet is now led by the tough kid Kirk and Spock met in the street who wishes to hijack the Enterprise-E and finally gain command of a starship just like his idol, James T. Kirk. Oh. We're going to have to track this down. Yeah, I got to find that and read it. And, and another reason I want to find and read that is because I don't know if Quentin Tarantino knows about that because he wrote the Star Trek sequel that he wanted to do was going to be a sequel to this episode. This is insane to me. There are so many other episodes. Why this one? <laughs> he just loved that episode. And, and he said, I think I can do something with that. That's crazy to me. So I I was I was hoping I was looking forward to it I you know I, I and it was going to be a Chris Pine you know JJ universe mm -hmm. script mm -hmm. so I'm wondering if it's going to be this is the first time that Kirk goes down or somebody's already been and did this because it's the JJ universe we can do what we mm -hmm. want and so we're going you know ten years later to 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 get this communicator or whatever it is you know uh, but he wrote the treatment on uh, for a script for it and who knows where that's floating around somewhere on the paramount lot 
Uh, I'd love to. Maybe I'd that's his to... 10th movie. Maybe that's the 10th movie he's doing. He talked. No, he's doing one called The Film Critic, but uh, he very close. It came very close to them doing this movie. Uh, can you? I don't know that I want a Tarantino Star Trek. Oh, show me what you got. <laughs> uh, I don't. It's the same reason I was because after I watched Wrath of Khan, I watched Into Darkness, which I hadn't seen in a really long time. Oh yeah, and uh, I was talking with my husband about it, and I'm like, man, I just I don't like these J.J. Abrams movies. They're just not very Starfleet because the whole the villain of Into Darkness, right, is a Starfleet admiral, mm-hmm. and I'm just like that wouldn't happen. Well, yeah. I mean, uh-huh. I agree with you. And that's that's the problem that a lot of hardcore trackers have mm-hmm. with the J.J. movies. Me, I love the J.J. movies. Um, and I saw this Into Darkness, not as Wrath of Khan, but Space Seed. Yeah, we did get the Wrath of Khan elements at the end, but really it's Space yeah. Seed because, and mm-hmm. it's the whole, my whole thought of it was, is in, the, in Space Seed originally, Captain Kirk finds Khan. But in the JJ mm-hmm. universe, I thought to myself, "What if, uh, what if the Republican Party found Khan?" Oh, that's how I saw it as. What if Dick Cheney found Khan? You know, because that's you know Cheney was vice president at the time that movie came out, and yeah. I remember seeing it at the premiere, thinking, "I see what he's doing here." Is what if Dick Cheney found Khan and not Kirk? That's what they hmm. would do with it. They would, you know, if 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 the Dick Cheney of Starfleet found it, he would weaponize the hell out of it. So that's hmm. that's why I was okay. able to accept it in my mind as, you know, this is a different thing. I'm not going to compare the two until the end with the con. And then I I wish he wouldn't have shouted con. I That's the yeah. only, <laughs> honestly, that's the only complaint I have about that movie. I didn't mind Kirk dying the same way Spock did. It was the con. I thought you didn't need to do that. Yeah. Hmm. But, okay. Interesting. Know. Food for thought. Okay. Yes. I'll have to re. I'll have to re-examine it. Um, but moving on, we're going to talk about the immunity syndrome. The Enterprise encounters a a gigantic energy draining space organism that threatens the galaxy. I quite liked this episode. It's extremely simple. It they are on the ship the whole time. It's one of those episodes where. Um, it's a, gr- a group problem solve. And yes. I don't feel like we get to see that a whole lot. Um, this, this is the episode where I was, I was like, if I was a 60s housewife, I would be going absolutely insane because Spock gets injured immediately and Kirk is immediately concerned. And I was like, yes, he loves him. Go check on your boy. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I also, I had the thought, do you, do you i i gotta admit i was high when i was watching these but do you do you ever think kirk gets sad that spock is so serious all the time because kirk tries to have like light-hearted conversation or jokes with him but spock is just always serious and always problem solving and do you think that makes him sad I don't know if it makes him sad. I think he <laughs> just accepts that that's his friend and just yeah. goes, oh, whatever. And that's maybe the same question maybe I Maybe he does. Maybe he does. I don't know. It's the same question I have for any woman who wants to date Spock. Like, why? Why? I mean, if you're into that, I guess I can't, I mean, like, yuck anybody's yum. But I mean, <laughs> Strange New World's Chapel, or, well, really original series Chapel. I, you know. Yeah. Like, because because original why? series Spock is much more cold than Strange New World mm-hmm. Spock. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, which is, we'll talk about it in an upcoming right. episode. Sorry. It's fine. Sorry. But no, no, it's okay. It's all right. Um, but yeah, it's just a, a basic group think episode. And then um, Spock goes on to go solve the problem because it's an amoeba. It's just, they get sucked into this like void that's just like an amoeba. And, and he has to slowly penetrate the amoeba. Well, and I was going to say, that's one of the dirtiest lines in Star Trek is this one. Brace yourselves. The area of penetration will no doubt be sensitive. There you go. One of the dirtiest, <laughs> dirtiest lines in Star Trek for you. Uh, now, what I liked um, about this one, and I always, and I, this is, I've never expressed this to anybody but you. Are oh, you ready for this? For, okay, I'm ready. Remember at the beginning of the episode when Spock freaks out. It's like, oh. Oh, thousands of Vulcans are all yeah. dead at once. Hey, does yeah. that sound familiar? Obi-Wan Kenobi, Star Wars. I had that same thought. I always felt that George Lucas took that and ripped it off. Oh, interesting. <laughs> hmm. I wouldn't put it past him, honestly. I mean, I mean it was just it was just a thought. But uh, yeah, because that was the thing is that he was able to because Vulcans are, you know, sensitive. Force sensitive, and all that. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And he would hear, you know, a thousand Vulcans dying at the same time and mm -hmm. screaming in terror. Well, you know, if, if Vulcans are capable of terror. But uh, so he would sense that. And I love the idea of a ship that is just Vulcans. Mm. I just thought I, that was a great idea. And I wanted more of that, you know. But... Kirk, I think it's Kirk asks Spock a really interesting question about, like, what did they feel? Um when this happened and Spock replies with um astonishment and I thought that was such a great word choice mm -hmm. um because they're not going to feel fear um they're not going to be sad but the choice of the word astonishment was just some chef's kiss writing in my opinion oh yeah um, absolutely this is uh this is one where I wanted to see the original effects because the the remastered effects show up and i'm like am i watching a meme did somebody put this image on here because it looks so out of place because it was so bright and vibrant and like modern looking it it just looked so out of place to me the original amoeba looked like one of those I mean, your your dad's a musician and uh, you know, old, uh, so he he would. You've probably seen what I'm about to describe. When when you see footage of old, uh, like Pink Floyd footage or uh, something over that, they had a background behind the band, and mm -hmm. it was and it was it was water. It was essentially water between two sheets of plastic, colored water, and they'd shine lights through it, and it would make these different shapes because of the water, kind of like Rorschach's mask. That's and, uh, so interesting. That's the trivia I have for this episode. The Space Amoeba optical effects was recreated by Frank Vanderveer of Vanderveer Photo Effects. The amoeba itself was a mixture of liquids pressed between two thin sheets of glass. And as the sheets see? were moved, the liquid would flow as if the amoeba was pulsating. Exactly. That's the, that's the backgrounds that a lot of those psychedelic bands in the 60s and 70s mm -hmm. would use. And you'd see it on TV and all of that. And, and so that's what it looked like. That's what the amoeba looked like. And then when they exploded it or whatever, it looked like a lava lamp. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a lot. Yes, exactly. Um, this one, I don't have like a fun, what I call this episode, but I, I do have 
my overall feeling of this, which is dad, dad and dad are fighting. <laughs> oh, yeah, because of the, the Spock McCoy stuff, the back and forth, which was just priceless to me. Yeah. Yeah. Then I posted this on Twitter, uh, just kind of because, you know, Spock goes on the shuttle and um, as he, he leaves, McCoy shuts the door and he's like, good luck, Spock, to himself. And then later when Spock is calling back to the ship, he's like, tell Dr. McCoy he should have wished me luck. <laughs> and I'm like, but he did. <laughs> <laughs> and I always kind of hoped that McCoy would go, good luck, you asshole, you know, or something like that. <laughs> Uh, this, oh, this episode also, it actually, compared to some of the previous episodes, actually felt really dangerous. Like, I had a sincere concern that our friend wasn't going to make it back. <laughs> and, I mean, I know that he did, but I, it was if I was watching this in real time, you know, in the 60s, I'd be like, oh, my God, like, mm -hmm. what's going to happen? Like, this is so dangerous. And, <laughs> and I liked that. I'm still able to feel that kind of thrill with these episodes, even though I know they so survive that, forever and that ever. It makes me very happy for you. I, oh. I just think that's great. Because I'm just like, it's, oh, it's nine-year-old Carrie there. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to this next episode that... Ugh. We just so so we like immunity so syndrome. We like that. Oh okay. yeah, I quite liked immunity syndrome. I like it when there's okay. a group think episode that's like all oh, just on the ship. Mm -hmm. um, but a private little war. Peaceful, primitive peoples get caught up in the struggle between superpowers, with Kirk unhappily trying to restore the balance of power disrupted by the Klingons. Ugh, this episode sucked ass. <laughs> it's not a good episode, but it features my favorite and ridiculous alien on star trek oh the mugato the or mugato the people is my favorite ridiculous <laughs> star trek creature look at because... that action figure now i didn't bring down the migo one because it, he's wearing clothing which you know always pissed me Why? off when i was a, when i was a kid because they they gave me the mugato figure but he's standing upright and wearing clothing it wasn't until <laughs> i got this action figure that they got the mugato right <laughs> <laughs> And what I love is it's just a gorilla costume with it's a horn. It's just a monkey suit. It's designed by the same guy who designed the the Horta in um, mm -hmm. whichever death, whatever Devil that one dark. is. Devil in the Dark, the evil carpet. Because um, yeah. he just had this monkey suit laying around. And he's like, yeah. I guess. And and Mugatu is not even what it's really called because DeForest Kelly kept mispronouncing the name. So they changed it. It, it was a Gumato, but mm -hmm. he kept calling it a Mugatu. And even if you watch the credits, it's still listed as Gumato. <laughs> I just love that they were able to, on the fly, change the name of it. Just go with it. We're not going to do another yeah. retake because DeForest Kelly's <laughs> drunk somewhere. <laughs> Or he's off with his, you know, doing something else. Whatever we don't have he time does. For a retake. We're just going to go with it. Instead of bringing yeah. in and doing voice later, you know, it's just, we'll go with it. We'll change it. <laughs> yeah, just whatever. But uh, this one, it felt a lot like a romance novel to me. I don't know. I don't know why. Just like really? the the presence of the woman and like the way she interacts with every uh, it's so horny. This episode was another very horny episode, mm -hmm. and I didn't I didn't like it. I didn't care for it one bit. The uh, the episode's supposed to be uh, again, you know, because the Vietnam War was happening at the time. It was mm -hmm. so it's a, you know 
analogy for the Vietnam War, right down to the enemy people. You know, you got the, you got the people that Kirk knew, Tyree and his tribe, and they're the all blondes. Yeah, they're all blonde and white, <laughs> and the bad guys are all, you know, something else. And so uh, brunette, they're all brunette, and they're, they're working with the Klingons, and the Klingons are giving them the guns. Yes, the Klingons are giving them guns, and and and. I was unsatisfied with this episode for a lot of reasons. Of course, all I have to do is think about the Mugatu and I smile. <laughs> but uh, uh, the, I mean, it's it's pretty sexist the way they treat uh, uh, Tyree's woman. Here, I I'm to blame. I can't even remember her name. She has a name. She's a person. Uh, Nona. Nona. Okay. I think. But they kept referring to her as Tyree's woman throughout the episode. And, and now, granted, she's not a nice person. No, <laughs> but, no, but it also it, not only did it feel extremely sexist, it felt extremely culturally insensitive. Mm, yes. Yeah. Like mm. they were appropriating some what felt like African healing techniques. Oh yeah, the uh, it was it was yeah because she takes the uh, whatever root it is that it looks like it's alive. It it's moves, jelly. yeah, yeah, and she places it on Kirk's Mugatu bite to pull the Mugatu poison out. Yeah, and uh, so because of that, they're somehow linked, and she can control him, and you know. I mean, let's be honest. She didn't uh, need that link to control Kirk. All you have to do is just a little cleavage. No, and she had boobs. Kirk is there. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> she had boobs. Brunette, he would have gone you know. wherever. <laughs> well, and what's so funny too? I had read because there's a there's a a scene where she's like showering under a waterfall, yes. and they kept that scene in there to be like to hopefully draw attention away from the rest of the episode, so that the censors would be like, get rid of this. Everything else is fine. We think. <laughs> Uh, we're hiding our Vietnam analogies. Uh, look at that girl over there. How about that? <laughs> Jeez Louise. And um, Spock gets caught in a crazy explosion at the beginning. His body does a full C formation. Mm -hmm. um, but then, so he's back on the ship and Chapel's taking care of him. And Chapel goes to hold his hand. And McCoy is like, or is it Mbenga? Oh, it's Mbenga. And, um, yeah, because McCoy's he's like, down on the planet. Yeah, because he calls it out. And she's like, I just shows my patients that I'm interested. And I'm like, Chapel, what are you doing? We've been <laughs> down this road. And especially in the, ne in the next or in an upcoming episode, like, uh -huh, uh -huh. ma'am, ma'am, what are you doing? Um, and then in order for him, because he's he's unconscious during this time of recuperation, and in order, the final stage of it, he's like, Miss Chapel, I need you to slap me. And so she like lightly taps him. He's like, harder. <laughs> and she just starts slapping. And she's just like, laying into him. And Mbenga comes in and is just like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> well, no, well, no. So Mbenga, um, some interesting information about why Benga is here in the first place. So this is this episode is the first of two appearances of Booker Bradshaw's Dr. Mbenga. He's an expert in Vulcan physiology. Um, but previously in the journey to Babel where they were McCoy's like, oh, I've never like really um, done surgery on a Vulcan before. I don't I don't know. don't mm -hmm. really know what I'm doing. Um, given McCoy's reluctance in that episode to operate on a Vulcan due his 
due to his unfamiliarity with Vulcan physiology, it is probable that in between that episode and this, he recruits Dr. Mbenga to serve on the Enterprise as a safeguard should anything happen to Spock. That's Dr. McCoy looking out for his crew. Because he loves him. <laughs> because he loves him. Dad, dad and dad are fighting. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is a, it's, it's kind of a, and I was unsatisfied with the end because I didn't get Ugh. a, re I didn't really get any resolution because no, the because way... they give them guns, they give them guns, but no, see, not the... Starfleet at all. But no, this is my thing is that I don't know if they did give them guns because I mean, I know Shatner mm. pauses and everything, but the way he says his final lines is, you know, Scotty, we need a hundred more flintlocks is what you need. What now, captain? And he said, some more, pause, serpents, pause, for the Garden of uh... Eden. And, and I, so that's where I'm like, I wonder if Kirk realized at that second, he went, yeah, I shouldn't, no, can't do that. Yeah, because McCoy earlier does use that actual reference of like, well, there's already a serpent in the Garden of Eden and you want to add more. Mm -hmm. um, hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. interesting. Serpent I, that in is, the Garden of Eden. I was yeah. so mad at that last line. I, I my note is like, oh, we're just going to give them guns. That's so just not Starfleet. Why are we why are we le why are we contaminating planets with this technology? Did we not yeah. learn anything from the 1920s planet? And so uh, I felt the same way. And that, but then I went back and watched it again. And I went, you know, with his delivery, I could feasibly say that he changed his mind at the last second. He went, that's not yeah. right. Because they're yeah. serpents for the Garden of Eden. I guess. Whatever. That episode's stupid. That was yeah. a stupid episode. And I don't want to talk about it anymore. I want to talk about Return to Tomorrow. But, uh, the but Enterprise... can, I just do one, oh, can I just yes. do one thing for you? Because of course, I, loved absolutely. The, I loved the Mugatu so much when I was a kid. Yeah that I, I think I do a pretty good Mugatu growl. Okay, I'd love to hear it. Okay, just look at the, look at the action figure. Uh -huh. Don't look at me. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like a guy screaming, wasn't it? Yeah, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Anyway, return to tomorrow. The Enterprise is guided to a distant, long-dead world where survivors of an extremely ancient race existing only as disembodied energy desiring the bodies of Kirk, Spock, and astrobiologist Anne Mulhall so that they may live again. The appearance of, uh, of um, Anne Mulhall. Interesting, because that's Dr. Pulsaki in The Next Generation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, she's been on many a Star Trek. She she was on uh, an earlier episode as, or a later episode. Uh, she's I know on she a later in... episode. She's yeah. She shows up in a later episode. Is there truth? No, is, is there, there in no truth, truth beauty? no beauty? Yeah. Yeah. As a different character, but so she's <laughs> she's done a lot of Star Trek. That actress. She's uh, you know Doctor Pulaski. She's all over the place. That's great. The thing about she drives me nuts on Next Generation um, because <laughs> I feel like. Feel like there's something with her jaw because she never really opens her mouth when she talks she keeps her mouth like very tiny and very oh, close like pay attention right. when she speaks pay yeah pay attention to when she speaks like i feel like there's something up with her jaw because she doesn't she keeps her mouth like very tiny and very small every time she speaks oh. yeah I don't now i gotta it. now i gotta go and watch it again now if you have you watched season two of next generation uh a long time ago 
Oh, okay. Long time ago. Yeah. Because there's there's an episode because I I cannot stand her, and there is an episode where she like keeps interrupting Picard, and Picard even says like would love to get a word in if you would stop interrupting me, and, <laughs> and I'm like ooh, ooh show her what's what. Um, well, now she's but, in season two because uh, the uh, Gates Doctor Crusher was mm-hmm. not happy with uh, the way things were happening with Next Generation and her character. Happy with the way it was being treated, and she mm-hmm. felt like she needed more money, and so they said, "Well, then you're gone." Boom, mm-hmm. and they bring in Pulaski, who all the fans hated. I don't know of any <laughs> Doctor Pulaski fans. I don't. I'm sorry if you're a Doctor Pulaski fan. Give us a note down below. Get in the comments. <laughs> I don't think that there are many. I think it's a very small fan club, but the fans let them know we don't like Doctor Pulaski, and I think she fell down an elevator chute and died. Uh, oh darn! <laughs> but then they brought back Crusher in the third season. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, her so her appearance in this episode, she's she's an astrobiologist, but also lieutenant commander, and she has the distinction of being the highest ranking female Starfleet character shown in the original series. So mm. that's neat. I did find it kind of interesting. Um, this has nothing to do with like the plot. I do find it interesting. She's an astrobiologist, but she's wearing a red uniform and not a blue uniform. Oh yeah, you'd think she'd be in the science division. Yeah, what's up? With, what's up with that? Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, we all know that you know, <laughs> canon was <laughs> a strange thing to them in this or, meh, in the meh, original meh. series. Canon, uh, I mean, it probably wasn't even a thing back then. I think Star Trek may have invented canon. You know, but yeah, did they have like a a, a set Bible? Did they have a show Bible that they would refer to? <laughs> <laughs> um. But uh, again, the 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 creatures that we're interacting with in this episode, voiceless entities, they they exist in orbs, and we they are, are... voices that speak. <laughs> and Sargon, voiced by James Doohan, by the way, mm-hmm. our boy That's Scotty. A... Yeah. Um, the the Spock describes what happens to their planet. It's actually really cool. Like their atmosphere was ripped away. Which could you imagine? That would be so terrifying. Oh, we're um, getting ready for it to happen here. I'm oh, telling you. Just strap in. But um, the 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 survivors have their deep like hundreds. I can't remember exactly how far into like the surface of the planet they are, but they are very far down. And way down deep. Yeah. They're like, don't worry, we'll make it so you can beam down. We promise. And McCoy is like, again. You want me to beam where into rock and I'm just supposed to trust you on this? And they're like, McCoy, please, you have to. And he's like, okay. <laughs> he's not like super jazzed about it, but he does it. Um, yeah. And uh, these disembodied voices want to inhabit some of the crew to they're uh, they're in these spheres which you know have appeared on the show a few times you know <laughs> <laughs> which i have seen you know in present day as lamps and yes. <laughs> they're just cool looking lamps so the spheres have and there are only three of them that are still alive there's sargon his 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 wife talisa and, and the bad guy henok Hennock. And the minute the minute Hennock gets in Spock's body, I was like, "This guy, this mf'er, I do not feel sus, do not trust." Of and course. um, 
the one of the first thing he says when he's in Spock's body is, "I'm surprised the Vulcans haven't conquered the humans. This body <laughs> rules." <laughs> he kept saying it throughout the whole episode. Oh man, my body is so much more superior this than is yours. This is great. And Sargon was even so complimentary to Kirk's body. He's like, "Wow, you've taken really great care of this body. Kudos." And I'm like, "Okay, don't make it weird." Yeah, but that was Shatner saying that. Yeah. <laughs> uh and then Scotty, extremely confused about the whole thing. I love Scotty. Scotty is definitely solidified as like a favorite character. Oh, yeah. But He's one of mine. Yeah. His responses in this are, is just every time like, what? What? <laughs> I mean, he's saying, yeah, we're going to build these android bodies. And Scotty's like, out of what? Yeah. <laughs> Which is strange because wasn't he in the in the iMod episode where they made androids that looked human? And, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he even then, like he's the these three beings are so 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 far advanced and far superior that he still takes it upon himself to mansplain what to do to Talisa, who's mm -hmm. building the androids, and he's like, "Well, you need a fulcrum and a pulley system," and she's like, "I I know." I know. I got, honey. I know honey, what I'm doing. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, darling. Go sit down. Uh, <laughs> this this is also another instance of um. I don't like it when Spock isn't Spock. I I like I like when Leonard Nimoy gets to do stuff, but I don't like when Spock isn't Spock. <laughs> and he's not Spock through this whole thing. No, he's, he's cunning. He's, he's evil. Yeah. He's cunning and. Well, and what I love is that he's he's the he's the very basic Bond villain in that early on in the episode. Yeah. He explains his evil plan to, well, Nurse Chapel, even though she's you know gonna forget. Uh, well, know. and do you know do you know how you can tell that he's evil because he leans against walls. And Spock doesn't usually lean against a wall, whereas Hanok is like at almost a forty five degree angle leaning against a wall. <laughs> Now you say you don't like Spock when he's not Spock, but you could tell Nimoy is having a great time doing this episode. Well, th that that's why I always have the clarification. I like it when Leonard Nimoy gets to do f different things, but I just mm -hmm. I don't like it when Spock is not Spock. I mean, it just he's makes having, me feel icky. He's having a wonderful time. You can tell when he does mm -hmm. the evil speech to Nurse Chapel, and then I'm going to keep this body, and then I'm going to kill the others, and <laughs> <laughs> and you are going to forget. And you're going to help me and forget. <laughs> you know. I love that. And but so and there's some like consciousness body swapping whoozy whatsy happening and Spock in order to survive transfers his consciousness into Nurse Chapel, which can we talk about the implications considering their previous dating history? Exactly. I didn't realize that until I rewatched it here a few weeks ago, you know, getting ready for this episode. And I went, "Oh, I didn't even think about young Carrie didn't even think about the mm -hmm. history." They have how, such history. And how that would, you know, I've been inside your mind, you know. <laughs> right? Like, I'm sure, I'm sure in Strange New Worlds, they've done it, but. I mean, I, I can't think of any ex-girlfriend that I would want inside my God, inside no, my absolutely not. <laughs> Ugh, get out of there. It would be bad. <laughs> and then, um the 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 voiceless entities figure it out or whatever and um ask if they can borrow the bodies one last time because they're about to go be into oblivion and bodiless mm -hmm. entities and my reaction is immediately can we borrow your bodies to bang like real fast well, just one last that time was, 
that was part of the deal, though, was that one of the sad things about them building these forever bodies is that they couldn't experience sensuality, which I had no. a problem with rewatching it. I didn't think about it when I was, you know, younger watching these shows, but with the technology the way that we have now, I would think they'd be able to make that happen, right? I mean, Pike is also just in a wheelchair that only goes beep boop. Like there's a lot of stuff in the future that I would hope technology figured out. But also, because <laughs> they make the android and Hanok is like, okay, here's yours. And she's like, I don't want this. And he's like, oh, don't worry. It's a Ken doll now, but I am going to turn it into a Barbie. I am going to make it more woman-like. And I know you, you want that, right? And she's like, yeah. oh, ah, uh, okay. uh, <laughs> Maybe, yeah, okay. Maybe. Yeah, and <laughs> kind of an interesting episode, but also like, meh, meh. Mm -hmm. no, no real good takeaways. I uh, I was concerned about the consent. Uh, yeah, because because Kirk and her, you know, I mean, they just kind of, I mean, they didn't even really work together. I mean, they didn't know each other that. Well, I'm sure right? Kirk is like, yeah, whatever, go for it, and. <laughs> And she you know. probably had, you know, more reservations. But if I if I know Kirk, he's like, yeah, whatever. I got the feeling. The clown. That, I got the feeling that she knew that that might happen. But like, she's I an astrobiologist. She's an astrobiologist and like pretty high up in in her career. So I kind of think that she would also be like, yeah, I. Yeah. It's for the sake of knowledge, right? Because that's part of it. Is they're all they're always in the pursuit of knowledge, and yeah. so she for her this is just another mission and to learn more about a new alien species. Mm -hmm. So, but what was uh, also interesting about this one is that uh, the the mysterious alien species, which usually, you know, we have to defeat, the humans have to defeat, the mysterious alien species decided, oh, this is getting way out of hand, and. Uh, I'm, <laughs> We we can't do this to you humans anymore, and so I'm going to kill Henok, and subsequently, my wife and I are just going to you know swirl off into the nothingness. And you know. they they're they're the ending of the good place, right? Like they are oh, they have spent go. they've spent enough time in heaven, and they're like, you know what? We're ready to go back into oblivion now. There you go. And isn't that isn't that sweet? Yeah, that was. I mean, it's an okay episode. It's okay. It was. It was. Fake, I don't hate yeah. it. It's a very Star Trek episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. It was fine. <laughs> eh. I liked well, the implication. I I liked the implication of Spock being in Nurse Chapel. <laughs> oh. But oh, but only, but only because, only because we have watched Strange New Worlds, right? And they have their whole thing. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Um, so, well, so this is our five episodes for this, this episode. Our, for this episode, yeah, yeah. Now we're we're heading toward the end of season two. We're getting there. We're almost there. Yeah. We're almost there, and we're gonna get into season three. And I, there are some episodes coming that I can't wait for you to, to oh, poop on. Gosh. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, looking at my list, um, we only have one. Our next episode will be the remainder of season two. Wow. Can't mm -hmm. believe we're almost through season two. Yeah. Well, cool. Well. Yeah. Yeah. There are some episodes that you're going to poop on coming up very soon. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, I hear episode. Oh, yeah. Episode one of season three is a doozy. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's um, I mean it's 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 the infamous Spock's brain uh -huh. is, is the name of the episode and it is it has been named by just about everybody the worst episode of Star Trek ever I don't think it's that bad I'm not defending it uh -huh. but it's not as bad as everyone says oh no but it's bad <laughs> okay well it's okay because we still have one more season two yes. episode and then we'll get into terrible season three <laughs> exciting well <laughs> thank you guys so much for joining us this week we will see you again next week going where no man has gone before but a lot of people have gone before uh <laughs> live long and prosper bitches <laughs>